What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Back to the Field. Covering NFL Week 9, giving y'all our weekly picks, game breakdowns, and the betting lines for our gambling degenerates out there. Eric and I are also going to be giving y'all our midseason awards for MVP, Offensive, and Defensive Player of the Year, and then just who we think is most improved or biggest disappointment since the start of the season. Then we're going to end it off with giving the Hokies some luck as they travel to South Bend to face off Notre Dame. If you've been with us for this long, you already know what to do. Go ahead, crack open that beer, and as always, listen responsibly. Let's get All right, dude. Back at it. Episode number 11. Um, you know, more than halfway uh, past the NFL season. Thought we'd kind of switch it up a bit and not only kind of give our picks and stuff, but, you know, just kind of give some midseason awards. I know this is usually a kind of a very cliche thing I think I've heard on a lot of podcasts and you kind of see a lot of articles on it as well. And I see it on Instagram as to, uh, you know, who the MVP is going to be halfway through the season or, you know, who you'd give, you know, Super Bowl odds to. Um, I know a lot of betting lines, at least for futures, have started changing as well per um, especially for like QB MVP. I know Lamar Jackson like really jumped up in the ranks when I think earlier on the season, almost everyone was kind of voting him off, but let's, uh, let's kind of go, I guess, straight into it. I think we both did fairly well in last week's picks. Uh, I think we were both either two and one, I believe. Um, yeah, I forget. Yeah, not really sure. I'm gonna have to go back and check out who that is. But anyway, let's just kind of go ahead and get started right away. Uh, I can maybe kick us off uh, to highlight my first pick, which is actually going to be tonight's first game. Uh, you got 49ers visiting the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, San Francisco is a Ten and a half road favorite, which is a uh, you know normally I'd say this is interesting because ten and a half is quite an interesting line. However, I think with a lot of key pieces missing, um, Chase Edmonds is out with I believe a hamstring injury. Uh, you know you really don't know what's going on with David Johnson, um, so it's going to be uh, I think Wendell Smallwood is scheduled to start for them. Um, so and then obviously we kind of talk it week in and week out that there really isn't much of an outside threat for Cardinals and it will be kind of exciting to see how Kyler Murray kind of deals with this sort of adversity uh, with a seven and zero San Francisco team. Um, I believe they traded for uh, if I without looking it up I think they traded for Kenyon Drake from uh, oh that is true no, no no Wendell Smallwood sorry Smallwood's on the Redskins which is, was actually going to be another team that I was going to highlight. But um, no, no, you are correct. Yeah, so it is Kenny and Drake um, coming back, you know, traded from Miami. However, I, I don't know, man. S- San Francisco, and, and we'll probably touch upon this when we give our kind of mid-season awards, but 
I mean, San Francisco on both sides of the ball is looking really strong. Uh, I really, really love that defense that they have. Uh, I mean, you got Bosa coming off the edge, who's just been an absolute stud, who, uh, kind of spoiler alert, will probably be my uh, probably my defensive player of the year. But we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little later. However, at least for this game, I think a 10.5 spread, it's a bit high, but... I think San Francisco might roll this game. Uh, so go ahead and give me a San Francisco to cover the 10 and a half. Yeah, I don't th- I think, yeah, if you didn't pick that, I think I would have taken that as well. I think San Francisco is going to roll um, just because not because Arizona, you know, uh, can't stop them, but I just don't think they're going to be able to score on San Francisco's defense. They are, are really, I, I mean, I haven't seen them until the last couple of weeks and they are what, you know, people have been saying about them, and they're very good defense. So I think that's a uh, that is a really good pick. Um, so just scanning through, I haven't really. You have to uh, give me some one second here. Just taking a quick scan. Um, doing it live, man. D- doing. We don't always have to have our picks like predetermined. You know, gives the gives the feel of authenticity. If you know what I mean, you know. All right, well, here we go. Well, I have this one. I think this is a slam dunk. Uh, this is the first uh, real test for New England. Um, going, Ooh, all going, right. going to Baltimore. They are three and a half uh, road favorites. Yep. Um, so uh, just like I always say about Alabama and then, you know, same thing with, you know, Patriots. You know, if the point spread is low enough or, you know, if uh, I think they're still the better team, I, I will not bet against them, especially if it's this close, three and a half points. Yeah. Uh, they have not given me a reason to pick against them, and Baltimore certainly has not given me a reason to pick pick them or at least take them with the points. So, um, you know, I like, you know, Patriots to roll. Their, their defense, I think their defense has scored more points than like four other teams offensively have i mean it's just insane how yeah. defense keeps on producing points for them putting their offense in great field goal position or no, field position um and so th- three and a half points i'm that's a slam dunk for me so i'm going to take new england to cover three and a half yeah it's it's interesting you said because normally if patriots were shown as a three and a half dog for this one it's usually just indicating that on a neutral field that this would be a pick em. Um, but that being said, uh, I mean, yeah, three and a half point, like three, I mean, I see three points on FanDuel. See, three points is a little too close for me, and I'd probably take the Patriots. If it was anything more, I'd take the Ravens. I do kind of like the Ravens in this matchup. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it is kind of hard to bet against Tom Brady and Belichick, uh, and that defense is, is really going to kind of be put put to the test on this one and their defense is good i really want to see the matchup of patriots offense versus this defense right i think what this defense uh, this defense being the patriots defense has been overshadowing the patriots offense hasn't been that flashy at all right like now i don't think or not i don't think but not 100% sure is that because their defense has been so great that they don't need to make more of the riskier plays like Patriots just can ju- can kind of do everything by the book. 
However, it should be interesting to see if the Patriots do go down early in this game that, you know, how they sort of respond and how kind of Tom Brady switches things up and, you know, Belichick being the coaching genius that it is. Um, it, it should be an interesting game. But, yeah, dude, I mean, Sunday night in Baltimore, uh, it's going to be it, it's going to be an interesting game. I I would like to see the Patriots probably pull this off. However, I wouldn't be surprised that if the Ravens kind of make this a lot tougher game than people uh, people are going to put it out to be. Uh, I think this is going to be a staple game for Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's sitting right now at 9-1 and one to win the MVP behind Rodgers, McCaffrey, um, what's his name, Russell Wilson, and I think one other person. But... If he wins his game, I mean, it's it's going to be really hard for for anyone to kind of put him out out of the running for MVP. I wouldn't be surprised if this jumps up to like a four and one odds for him to win MVP. You know, he hasn't shown he's shown consistency, which I think you know is is something that a lot of people kind of chalked him up to be right, like. And again, this is another player. It's interesting you bring it up. Like Lamar Jackson is another player that I'll probably bring up during our midseason award where, you know, a lot of people had pegged him to be like, you know what? This guy can't throw. He hasn't proven anything. But it seems the Ravens have kind of really restructured their offense to fit around Lamar Jackson, where last year the offense was still more kind of geared towards Joe Flacco, where, or Flacco, Flacco, wow. Flacco. yeah, <laughs> where I mean, we know what troubles he's having out in um, out in freaking Broncos. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I'd probably take this too, um, but I just kind of want to stay away from it because if there's any big upset to happen in the AFC, I, I really do see this one kind of being it. Um, my second, I think, game that I'm going to have to cover, like pick four. Looking at the line here. Um, so you got New York Jets. And, and this is this is going to be one of my interesting ones. Um, I don't know. I just felt like kind of changing shit up. So Jets are visiting the Dolphins. Dolphins are a three-point favorite. Or sorry, this a three-point dog. This might be the tank for Tua ball. So, oh, I'm sorry. Tank to be quite long. honest, I and, and as shitty and shitty as the as the Jets and both the Dolphins have looked, um, I'm probably going to take the Jets on this one. Um, now, see, okay, so let, let's let's go for why I'm taking the Jets. So, obviously, I think just skill position wise, you know, the Jets definitely, I think, trump Dolphins. Dolphins are definitely kind of shipping oh, everyone sure. out of Miami and they're just kind of pretty much preparing for the draft, right? Just definitely have talent. They have you know, Le'Veon Bell. They, Robbie Anderson is probably one of the best and unkept or best uh, unkept secrets. Uh, I agree, dude. I feel like, you know, it's funny. I was listening to another podcast and if Robbie Anderson actually had a competent quarterback, like he's probably one of the most underrated, like deep threats, dude. Uh, yeah, he he plays really well at home, not so much away. But yeah, I mean, his uh, Sam Darnold remains to be seen. Sometimes he looks really good and something that you could bank on in the future. Then other games, you're just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" 
So, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so, yeah. And I think that it, coaching it, tandem between like Geis and uh, and Sam Darnold, it, it's, it still hasn't clicked yet. Uh, now, again, you know, this is his like second year. I, I mean, he got fucking mono, so he was out for a couple weeks. Uh, I knew that there was like news reports of like Le'Veon that wants to like Le'Veon's going to be leaving the Jets. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're kind of in the same rebuilding, but uh, the Jets I think have found their, for lack of better words, franchise quarterback. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think the Jets should be able to cover this. Now it sh- would be very interesting to see Fitzpatrick kind of you know, turn into Fitzmagic for one game uh, like he did last year and throw for some, like, obscene amount of yards, you know, a bunch of touchdowns just against his old team. But, yeah, for, for this one, I mean, it's a very unexciting game to kind of pick. Uh, none of the other ones, you know, kind of really stood out to me to kind of get crazy on. So I thought I'd just kind of reach to the bottom of the barrel and kind of pick out one of those. So go ahead and give me a Jets minus three visiting the Miami Dolphins. Someone's got to win that game, you'd think. You know, it'd be yeah, actually kind right. of funny if they actually tie. It'd be very <laughs> yeah, yeah, that like that would be that would be typical Miami fashion too. But we need, I hope, for just selfish reasons for Redskins getting the top overall pick. Miami needs to win two games at least since we beat Miami. So I hope you're wrong. Go Miami. But that's uh that's another that's something different. That's more from fandom, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, as a segue uh, with Redskins, um, it wouldn't be, I guess, a uh, a podcast without picking against them, as I will be doing that again this week. Uh, Buffalo Bills at home that they're playing, or they're playing at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo favored by nine and a half points. Uh, looks like with looks like Case Keenum is in. Uh, concussion protocol still doesn't look like he's going to play. And I'm not sure that Colt McCoy is healthy either. So the stars are aligning for um, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I think they Haskins. already announced it. No, uh, I, they may have. I haven't checked in the last. Yeah, I think, hours. I think when I got a, when I got an alert on fantasy, um, I think they've already announced that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter for, for Sunday. Unless, yeah. like, you know, things have changed, but that's the last I've seen for it. And if that's the case, I'm 100% confident in Buffalo. Buffalo's offense is meh, but, you know, their defense is very good and definitely good enough to stop, you know, whether it was Case Keenum or Colt McCoy or anybody else uh, back there, you know, stop the Redskins' offense. But if Dwayne is being thrown into there, have his first full game and against a defensive Buffalo – uh, in Buffalo, too. In Buffalo, too. Very good field, home field advantage for, for the Bills. Um, I, I think this is a cakewalk. I think this is an easy W. Um, and I see Buffalo covering, you know, this is this is looks like a 14 to 20 point win for Buffalo, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, again, right, going back to what we covered in last week's podcast and a lot of overreactions, I think this is a... I don't want to say an overreaction, but they're just like trying to say, oh, you know, sure, the Eagles kind of ran it down Buffalo's throat. Maybe the Redskins might do that with AP. Um, so that's why I think they're they're kind of assuming that, you know, both teams are just going to run it down each other's throats. But, yeah, I think that home field advantage, you take that away, I could see this line kind of being a closer to like a five, five and a half. But, 
Yeah, dude, I, I can see this. Um, I can see this definitely being a Buffalo redemption game. You know, Bills Mafia is definitely going to be showing up for this game. I just, I, I, the only the way I can see this being close is if the Bills offense just doesn't show up. You know, you have Josh Allen turning it over, or maybe they're fumbling it, and it's giving Redskins short field goal range or f- short field goal position to score maybe quickly or three points, whatever it may be. I mean, if they do that, then it's close, and I'm not going to get this. But I'm assuming that they don't. That's you know, they, they they kind of get down the field. They'll be able to get down the field. Uh, but you know, I have more confidence Buffalo covering the nine and a half than giving Redskins the nine and a half points. So give me Buffalo to cover. All right. Then I guess to kind of wrap it up, right? I know we kind of breeze through a bunch of these. Um, I'm trying to pick a nice dog, right? Uh, I don't want to pick three favorites, and there's nothing really standing out, right? I mean, to be quite honest, if there's anything that I'd probably pick, um, I will go ahead and see. Normally, I'd actually take the other side of your Redskins, of that same Redskins game, but I take Redskins nine and a half. That's the only one that seems safest. I mean, Buccaneers five and a half against Seattle in Seattle for that matter. I usually tend to stay away from teams that need to travel west, um, especially with I think uh, daylight savings is this weekend too, right? Um, so I will. All right, look at the slate. So this is going to be the Monday night game. You got Dallas visiting Giants. Giants are a seven-point dog at home. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, it's a big NFC matchup. You know, you have Dallas who's getting healthy, which can also be said the same for the Giants. Um, yeah, they had a kind of a crappy game last week, but, uh, you know, Saquon's looking like he's back almost at 100%. Um, and I think the same goes for, you know, Evan Ingram and Daniel Jones. So I don't know. I think that it, at the end of it, this is going to come down to pretty much Zeke versus uh, versus Barkley. Um, but the seven points, I think, especially at home, uh, Monday night game, uh Giants have historically given Dallas issues, um, especially on Monday night. I think their record against Dallas over the last couple of seasons, they actually have been beating Dallas when playing on Monday night in um, uh, in freaking MetLife. So just kind of going off historical threads and obviously a little bit of an Eagles bias uh, where I need the Dallas to lose. Um, go ahead and lock me in for the Giants plus seven at home. Yeah, I, I would have taken them if you didn't. I think just because it's an in-division game and Cowboys and Giants, you know, or any of the two, you know, pick two of the NFC East teams usually play close with each, within each other. And I think a lot, seven points is a lot. You know, even, you know, Dallas probably should win and probably will win, uh, you know, more talent. But, you know, I think whenever these two teams play with each, each one plays inspired and, you, you know, you probably you got uh, Saquon back from his injury, so we'll probably have his first full week of practice without, you know, recovering from such ankle injury. Yeah. Um, so you have that going. And then I believe um, uh, Sterling Shepard will be back too. He was full full go in his practice 
uh, this for today. So that's most likely meaning he's playing as well. So you have that target for Daniel Jones coming back. Um, All right. So, yeah, you know, his other, other receivers played well last week against Detroit. So I like that pick. I think you will uh, – I think you hit the head on the uh, – hit the nail on the head on that one. I think that's going to – that one's definitely going to work. Um, if I had to pick an underdog, which there's not many on, there out there that I'm really liking or seeing – yeah, like uh, and the spreads are so close too. Like this time, like at least this week. Uh, I mean, aside from the seven and a nine, like ten and a half, I see everything's under like five points, pretty much. You know what? If I if I'm taking a uh, underdog, let's. Uh, I don't know, man. These all these games are poo. I mean, there's yeah. just such crap games this coming weekend or. At least, if it's not a crap game, it's you know a good team versus a bad team. Spread, yeah, um, I mean, like another one, right? Like Texans versus Jags. Like Jags are a one point one point dog. Like it's a pick 'em game. Like However, I don't yeah, know. Why. I would I would pick Houston in a heart outright. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's not even close. Um, but you know what? Since they're home, um, and I think they've been playing better, and you know. Uh, I, I'll take Pittsburgh Steelers plus one and a half. <laughs> I was looking at that right now too. Um, that that that's the closest I can get for picking a a a dog, and you know it's a home dog. So give me the point and a half. Uh, I think they have a good chance of uh, um, winning this game. Uh, hopefully, it's. I mean, it's they had a great it's, game last week too. I mean, James yeah. Connor's out, but uh, oh, Mason out? Rudolph is looking. Is he officially ruled out? He is officially ruled out, yeah. Fuck. I didn't know that. You know what? I'm going to rescind my pick. I did not. <laughs> I, did, I mean, I did, I mean I while, while you pick a second one, I'll look it up. But, yeah, I think he has been officially uh, officially ruled out. Yeah, that's not good. You know what? You know what I will go with? I'm going to go. Man, I don't even know, man. These are so hard to pick. Nothing is looking good. Nothing at all. I mean, all, right, all right, he's not he's not ruled out, but he did not practice today. So um, that's probably why the spread is so low because they just don't know. I bet you if he was confirmed, it'd probably be like two and a half. Probably like a, yeah, points. probably like closer to three point. Yeah, I can see that. That's probably exactly why. Um, I mean, Vegas knows what they're doing, dude. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm always edge. like impressed with like just how well they they kind of set these odds and these lines they're they very accurate everyone's sweating every game it seems like and of course they get some wrong where you know you know you you pick a team with the points and they went out right and you think you know you shit can the boys in vegas but for the most part they know these spreads very well I mean, i'm sure they have a bunch of nerds who are looking at a bunch of data and analytics and past performance with you know Dude, that that would be a hell of a job to do i would love to yeah. do that you just sit there and like just comb through years and years of statistical data. And then, and but these numbers are data. always changing too. It's not like they pick a number and be like, "All right, well, let's run." Oh with yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's ever changing, like every like hour, based off you know what kind oh, yeah. of data or news is coming. And that out. thing too is like it's also interesting to see like how point spreads change when like certain players go right. down. How much? I know. Of, like yeah. I think, I think historically, Aaron Rodgers has the biggest impact on point spreads. Uh, like they say when he's in versus when he's out, the point spreads is almost close to like a touchdown. 
that it'll shift. All right. I have no feel for this game. I have no clue who's going to win this, but because they're getting two points, I'm going to pick them. I got Lions over the Raiders. F it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's good, en- it's good enough I for mean, me. I mean, yeah. I mean, hell, if you really, I mean, if you want, you can take a favorite. I, I just like to stick to the two favorite one dog trend. No, I'll, I'll stick to that too. I'll take, I'll take Lions away at uh, Oakland. Two points. Give me the two points. Stafford has big game, I hope. All right. Well, uh, we're kind of using that as a transition, right, into running through the midseason sort of, I guess, superlatives, right? We've, I think, seen enough happen in this season, have enough data to kind of back some of what I think we're going to say moving forward. But... Yeah, let's just kind of kick it straight off, right? Out of out of eight weeks, who are you pegging as MVP if the season were to end today? Uh man, that's that's this is kind of tough. Um, if I had to pick one, a guy that you look, you just read out the, the acronym, most valuable player. So if he was not on your team, what would the team look like without him? So what, what who would have the most drastic change in either you know performance you know stat wise and then record wise too for the team and for this year like other years I mean it, I mean for me it has to be or I shouldn't say has to be because there's other players like I could see Russell Wilson being one I could see McCaffrey being one but it's not like McCaffrey's team is you know six and one or seven and one you know they're uh, I believe they're like a 500 team if not worse. Um, but because his team is six and one or seven and one, I would have to check again. It has to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, without him, that team is awful. And it seems like every week he makes these miraculous throws behind his back or over his shoulder and puts it in points of where only the receiver can catch it. And it's like, you think he's throwing it away, but no, he puts it in a spot where only his receiver can get it. I mean, it's just it's amazing what he can do and at at the age of 34. I mean, he's yeah. no he's no young buck. Um so that I mean, it's kind of rattling his stats off too for just for the season thus far, right? Cuz I, I completely agree with you. He's got 2300 yards, 16 TDs, two interceptions. He's got a 65% completion rating uh completion percentage and a 106.7 QBR. I mean, He's putting up MVP numbers. I know Russell Wilson also has kind of very arguable stats as well. Uh, But I think it's kind of exactly like you said, where you take Russell Wilson out and then you take Aaron Rodgers out. You know, who's going to have the bigger impact of them not being there? And I think hands down, it's it's going to be Green Bay right now. Green Bay had like some of its stars have been showing a lot more. Sure. You know, I guess promise for lack of better words. I mean, Aaron Jones has been like stepping up. Uh, I mean, you got MVC or MBS, sorry. Uh, and Geronimo stepping up with, um, with Devonte Adams out. So, and then obviously like the defense as well. So everything is clicking for Green Bay, but I, I do agree that, I mean, you take Aaron Rodgers out of that, and you put in, you know, any sort of kind of backup. It's it's not going to be the same team. They're probably and, like a two and five team or something like that. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that. Um, 
I mean, if it's also hard, like, I mean, I know people and, you know, for those listening, you know, which is probably just going to be our friends, but more than happy to kind of have a debate as to why it should be Russell Wilson. I mean, even just him, right? 2,100 yards, 17 TDs, only one interception and a 115 QBR. Um, I mean, he's doing some miraculous things as well. It's just that I think if you look at some of the losses that the Seahawks have had, it's, it's just been a little frustrating to see like, all right, I mean, like, come on guys, like you need to be winning some of the games that you guys are losing, but also it's like, you know, you're losing to teams that have no right in kind of beating you. Right. I mean, you take a look at the Ravens Seahawks Ravens beat them by like 15 points in Seattle. Now. Yeah. The Ravens are a good team, but you know, at home with, you know, the skills and the talents that you have, it should be a win Browns made it a lot closer than it needed to be. Um, so, yeah, but I, I, I completely agree that I think, you know, even for me, as of right now, if the season were to end, um, Aaron Rodgers would definitely be, yeah, be be my kind of MVP. That being said, kind of moving on to maybe offensive player of the year, not necessarily MVP, right? But I think for greatest impact of an offense – and I think we kind of covered uh we kind of covered him on our preview shows, and initially we just said, hey, you know, as long as he's healthy and doesn't do anything flashy, you know, he should kind of bring success to his team. And you know, he showed stardom in college at Florida State, and you know that should kind of give it away. But I think my offensive player of the year, Jameis Winston. Yeah, dude. Good old famous <laughs> Jameis. <laughs> uh, no, man, my, my guy's going to be uh, is going to be Dalvin Cook. I mean, he has come out of the woodworks. I think he's leading the league in rushing. I think he's also leading the league in rushing touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. But as far as running back, I mean, he's he's proven his worth, right? I mean, he's coming off of an injury. He had a lot to prove for the team and. I think he's stepped up to the challenge and he's shown more, right? Normally, you would assume that your Zeke's of the world, CMC, you know, CMC's up there as well, even Saquon for that matter. I think I think they have such a high, I guess, floor that, you know, people just expect them to do great things where I don't think doubt people had kind of Dalvin Cook very high coming off an injury, but... I mean, the numbers that he's putting up and the way that he's playing, um, I mean, he's pretty much carrying this Vikings team, right? Uh, I mean, we know what kind of defense that they have, but, I mean, game in and game out, I mean, he's putting at least 100-plus yards. He's thrown up at least a TD a game. Um, and, yeah, dude, I mean, averaging about, like, five, seven, six yards a carry. Uh, so it's definitely showing that, you know, even after contact, he's kind of getting those extra yardage. But yeah, man, as far as I think most valuable offensive player for a team, uh, I'd probably take Dalvin Cook. Now you could argue CMC, but I think the same kind of reasoning that you had for your MVP, you know, you take kind of Dalvin Cook out of out of Minnesota. I mean, they have no one else rushing, right? I mean, yeah, you got Alexander Matson and like CJ Hammer or whatever the, the other dude's name is, but I mean, there's no one else in the backfield, right? Where, um, where I think CMC, I mean, it, it's sort of the same story there. Uh, however, I think Dalvin Cook's numbers have, um, at least for me, have sold me for uh, for offensive player of the year. 
Yeah, uh, he, he's definitely I mean, he's leading for rushing for sure. But you mentioned uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he would have to be my pick. I mean, not only does he have 735 uh, yards rushing, eight touchdowns, but he also has 343 yards receiving with two more touchdowns on top of that. I mean, that's more receiving yards than a lot of receivers alone. So you put that together, he has over um, over 1,000 yards, almost 1,100 yards halfway through the season. Um, you know, he's on pace uh, to get, I think, yeah, I think he's – on pace for about uh, 2,200, 2,300 total yards uh, from scrimmage, uh, which would be, you know, one of the top five highest, um, you know, total amount uh, of, again, total yards from scrimmage. That would be almost top five in NFL history. Um, you know, it would be, you know, number one being uh, Chris Johnson when he eclipsed 2,500 back in uh, 2009. Uh, but, he's on a rampant pace, you know, he, you know, 20 touchdowns, 22, 2,300 yards stat wise. I would have to name him offensive player of the year. Just looking at his stats, not really looking at if he wasn't there, you know, what would their team look like? You know, who would be running, you know, who would be filling the void if he wasn't there. Um, I'm just looking at stat wise and not just rushing, but because he adds that threat of receiving out of the backfield, um, and how dynamic he is. I mean, he, he is my, he's a slam dunk for me. Yeah. I mean, he, he's putting up some like ridiculous numbers as well. Um, I mean, you just look at career wise as well. It's, it's insane that, you know, he's got, you know, 2,200 yards, you know, on the ground, but yeah, just like you said, he's put up another 1800 yards and 13 TDs again, career, but 1,800 yards and 13 TDs through the air. So, I mean, yeah, he's, I think, if you look at a, I think an overall back, I think CMC is like the complete package, right? I mean, he can catch out the backfield. You can run him down the throat, you know, run him down your team's throats. Um, he can block. I mean, he can do everything. And, and he showed he showed that spark of greatness in Stanford as well. Um, and I think coming out of Stanford, a lot of people were worried that, Hey, you know, he's a bit of an undersized back. Uh, you know, he's going to get beat up in the NFL, but I mean, hell he's, he's standing on his own too. And I think that's what a lot of people see Saquon kind of developing into as the more years he kind of gets into there. I think Saquon was only like one or two years removed, uh, since CMC joined the league. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see both of these guys, right? Both Saquon and CMC and how they kind of evolve. Because I do think that they're both very similar play styles. I think Saquon is a bit more of a generational talent as far as just, you know, freak of nature athletics-wise. However, I, 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 it is, like I said, I mean, you can definitely argue CMC kind of being Offensive Player of the Year. But... Kind of moving on to the other side of the ball, right? I know I kind of gave a a precursor as to who mine is, but why don't you kick us off with a with a defensive player of the year for you? Yeah, so this would either come down for me either Stephon Gilmore, the shutdown quarterback for uh, New England, or Miles Garrett, the defensive end, second year uh, with Cleveland. Um, I have to. I have to give it. I probably give it to Miles Garrett, um, just because he's been. I don't. I shouldn't say just because, but ten sacks this year been an absolute havoc. I mean, a lot of times, you know, things with these defensive, uh, um, you know, 
players, specifically defensive ends, like a lot, a lot of times you don't see the actual stats. You know, this applies to cornerbacks too. So I guess you can just say defensive players. So, but a lot of times you don't see some of the work that they do to maybe cause a t- you know interception or you know force the quarterback to run out of the pocket and then someone else sacks them because of the initial pressure that the defensive end puts on you know the quarterback and that's what Miles Garrett has been doing year in and year out. You know, uh, Browns defense okay, uh, but you know Miles Garrett has been putting up insane amount of not just quarterback sacks but QB hurries. Uh, hits in the backfield, tackles. Um, so for even just being a second year out of Texas A&M, uh, I think the former number one overall pick uh, would be my defensive play of the year at this moment. Yeah, I, I, I like Miles Garrett as well. And, and I think everything that you just said can also be applied to, you know, the guy that I I kind of alluded to earlier um, in San Francisco. I mean, Nick Bosa is doing some incredible things as well. Now I do think the edge goes a little bit to miles Garrett, just again, out of probably the same reasons that comparing CMC and Saquon, I think miles Garrett just has some of those intangibles, but I mean, even Nick Bosa for that matter has been putting up some, some ridiculous numbers uh, this year as well. Right. I mean, you have seven total sacks. um, You've got like an interception um, and, and, a bunch of I'm just kind of looking at a stat right here. So they kind of broke it down. As I think you said it for like hurry, you know, how much pressure they're getting on the quarterback. So of all the snaps that he's played, uh, he has a 35% chance of touching the quarterback, which, which is insane, which you're pretty much saying one out of every three snaps in the game, he's getting to the quarterback. Um, now he is, I think a key cog in that San Francisco defense, which is, I think, a big reason why they're undefeated right now. Um, obviously, for a couple other reasons as well, but I think Nick Bosa um, coming in as a rookie, I think he's he's showing a lot of promise as well. Uh, and I guess same can be said about his older brother as well. And, yeah. and a lot of people had said the same thing of him, both of Bosa's coming out of OSU being kind of stars uh, on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, it right? helps. It helps with Nick you know, having his whole defense just being very complete and very good, um, especially in AM with them being undefeated. So you're going to have that more na- national recognition. So you're probably going to see more of him. So it wouldn't surprise okay. me if he, you know, climbs up the ranks of people who are voting for such Player of the Years, and because of that national recognition, and you know, just it's by default the good teams are on TV more, the better time slots, you know, on the better channels and. Um, they're, they're talked about more on the TV shows, sports centers and NFL countdown and you, you name it, you know, they talk mm-hmm. about him. So, you know, if he's on a, you know, one in six, one in seven team, you probably don't hear about him, even if he has similar stats. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like having, so. having that perfect record definitely does help. Yeah. Uh, kind of put you more in the spotlight. Right. But maybe just kind of ending this, right. Don't want to spend too, too much time, but maybe just kind of choose one, right? So eight weeks in kind of looking back at what a lot of teams had pegged in our preview shows and kind of some of the, the preseason analysis that we did, who would you say your, you know, either biggest disappointment or biggest improvement thus far is now it could be team. It could be, player uh kind of really i'll give you the the creative freedom on on that one 
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you're asking individually or team wise. And if it's team wise, is it, you know, um, you know, record wise from like what they originally. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't even it doesn't necessarily have to be a record. Right. Uh, I think it's more so from like if I had to choose one. Right. I would say my biggest improvement would probably be San Francisco. I mean, I knew that they were going to be like a sleeper coming into this year, but definitely did not see them being seven. No. Um, it's not, I'm not going to pick San Francisco as my thing. Um, cause yeah. I do have another one, but that's kind of like what I'm talking about, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be record, but whether it be a player that you think is most, you know, coming into the season, you really didn't see them being as great as they are, or even the vice versa, right? You thought that they were going to be hot shit and then, you know, um, they're not doing as well, which I mean, I could even kick it off maybe to give you an example, right? So for me, I think biggest disappointment, and I think two teams are going to go into this, um, Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons. I mean, everyone had the biggest yeah. boner for the Browns. They have all the talent uh, on both sides of the ball, right? Uh, I mean, you like everything, like you said, on Miles Garrett. They got Denzel Ward in the backfield. And then on the offense, I mean, you have two star-studded receivers in Landry and OBJ. Um, I mean, Nick Chubb is definitely a top 10 running back. Um, you could argue top five, at least preseason-wise. Yeah, they, they um, went from being Super Bowl contenders to now. Yeah, to, I mean, people to, had them uh, pegged for to winning the AFC, like at least winning their division. Yeah. And now it doesn't seem like it, right? Yeah, so now they went from Super Bowl contenders to Tua Bowl contenders, even though they were, <laughs> to, even uh, though they were not drafting a QB. <laughs> but as in just getting – I mean, they're only two wins away or you know, two more wins away from being tied – for the Dolphins to have the worst record, or you know, be and, and and Bengals too with zero wins for the season. So they're, they're I mean, it's it, it hasn't been great for them. So yeah, I, I could I could see them as being biggest disappointment. Yeah, and then and I guess kind of same goes for Atlanta, right? I mean, Atlanta had, and I think for Atlanta, it would more so was that my my heart in the preseason was going a lot based off of historical data and kind of how well Matt Ryan did not did, but does in kind of domes. And, you know, they do have a high-powered offense. They had, uh, like, Deonta Freeman coming back from injury. And I I just don't know, man. I mean, like, what, like, why they're in the hole that they are now, I... I don't think anyone knows. Because, like you said, they have, you know, talk, their defense, I mean, I guess that's been, hasn't been that great either, but... They have the weapons to be competent on offense. You have a, apparently a healthy Devontae Freeman coming to the season. Your receivers, you have Julio Jones, which everyone knows what he's capable of doing. You have Calvin Ridley, who's second year of a great rookie year season. Yeah. Sanu, who's just a competent uh, you know, third I mean, well, slot Sanu receiver. Sanu pretty much up until he got traded to. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, and we're just Patriots. looking at. Yeah, so up until yeah, he got traded, they had weapons and. I think, you know, before he got traded, being one in six, the Falcons were, that's just unexcusable. I, I don't get I don't think anyone knows what's going on. It has to be coaching or game planning because there's enough talent for this team to be much better than one in seven. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their their only win, right, their only win comes against us, like us being, sorry, Eagles. And that too, like that was... Came down to the last minute. Yeah, it came until like the last minute. Like if, you know, if one or two bobbled pass that you know the eagles very rookie receivers didn't drop i mean that would have been a completely different 
scenario, and then you're looking at a winless Falcons team, right? Yeah. And Falcons don't have an easy schedule either. I mean, they play at the Saints, at the Panthers, until they get a home game late in November against the Buccaneers, which I think the Buccaneers are like the poor man's Falcons, right? I mean, same sort of, I guess, offensive type. They have great receivers on the outside. They've got serviceable backs and, you know, defenses now, especially with, you know, Nandamik and Sue going over to, to, um, to Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, the, even the defense, but I mean, both of these teams now, like even that game should be a very interesting game to watch to see who actually comes out on top. Yeah. I would say my biggest disappointment uh, would probably be the bears. I mean, they, they're, they're the reigning uh, NFC North champions. Uh, that what were they like? I think they're 11 and five or 12 and four, I believe with uh, Trubisky being, uh, you know, the rate, the cute uh, rookie QB last year. And they've just, I mean, they've just sucked. I mean, they can't run the ball or the, for the most part, they don't know how to run the ball. They, they don't know who they want to run the ball with. I mean, two, two weeks ago, I think they only gave David Johnson, who was supposed to be their workhorse reason why they drafted him. They gave him two carries. Uh, you know, Trubisky never been really impressed with him. I thought he was overdrafted, but I mean, he's looked awful too. And then the play calling too, even last week where, uh, you know, they had the ball, they were down by one, had the ball at the, uh, I think like 30 ish yard line and you had 40 seconds left third down. You could easily run one more play, whether you took a timeout, if, if, if you had it, or you just, uh, ran the kicking team on, onto the field. Uh, they could have easily ran another play to like get some more yardage to make the field goal attempt closer. But the, the, the coach, Matt Nagy, decided to knee the ball. And yeah, like, and that's like two yards back. Also, two, did you say yeah, David Johnson? No, no, no. Uh, David Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Okay. If I did say David Johnson, I meant Montgomery. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like that. Like, yeah, you minus two yards and you need it at least. And then, you know, what kind I don't know. That that just didn't make sense to me. I, I would be pissed off if if, if that was. Yeah, and, I mean, plus the Bears historically have had trouble in the special special teams department, right? Um, they well, have really had, had kicking issues forever. Yeah. So I mean, even uh, though it's not horrible, it's three and four, you know. But you got Packers at seven and one. You got to put yourself in a hole, big hole to dig out of. And, and, and uh, this is a big game too. I mean, Eagles are visiting are visiting the Bears, right, I believe? Yes, um, yeah, yeah, they're definitely visiting. No, no, so, the Bear, Bears are visiting uh, Eagles. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, yeah <laughs> even worse, I guess. Um, and I think it's a big game for – it's a big game for both teams, right? Um, well, I think it's like, bigger for Chicago. I think there's a make or break for Chicago. I think Eagles, you're okay if you lose. You're still only – so, I mean, now, now I guess when you say that, like, are you saying that is that something if, let's say, you're in Eagle or not Eagles, if you're in the uh, Chicago Bears, you know, coaching management team, if you lose this game, I mean, are you thinking of possible QB change in Trubisky and well, maybe looking uh, at something in the draft? I don't think, no way. He's only two years in. They just kind of. They'll probably, if anything, they'll probably fire the coordinators or head coach if they can't get it turned around or look somewhat like a competent team. I don't, there's no way you still got to stick with them. He's still in his rookie deal. You don't, you don't really give up on a QB until maybe four years after once his rookie deal is done. Just like what 
Uh, I think what, you know, I think Jameis Winston, when he was drafted, I think he was in his last year of his rookie deal. And this is when now they're thinking about drafting a quarterback again. But I don't think, you know, they might make a switch to try to spark the offense, but I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. There's no way for what they, they gave up to, you know, uh, jump ahead in the draft to get him. But, I mean, you, you, lose this time, you, you lose the game to Philadelphia. They go three and five. Uh, you know, back, Packers win. They're eight and one. So now you're, you know, you're, what is that? So eight and one with seven, eight wins versus a five. And so you're four and a half games behind Green Bay. If, if they win, you lose. And with, you know, only half the season left. And that, that's pretty much half the season left with about four and a half games out. You're, so you're telling yourself you need Packers to lose four, and you which need to I highly doubt is going to happen, right? Yeah, and, and at the same time, they lose four. You need to win those four games, plus keep winning the other four. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that really kind of covers up the NFL, right? Uh, going through picks, lock those in. Not not anything too too exciting, and then obviously love giving those uh, mid season awards. Um, kind of be interesting to see how things shape up you know we could probably even do revisit this near the end of the season during the playoffs and um kind of see where uh where everything kind of lands up but that being said i think that was my phone that was just in the background my bad um but that being said you know don't want to maybe we can kind of end on two things right one big 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 congrats to the Washington Nationals in winning their first World Series in, since 1924 um, was an insane game yesterday. I think personally, I mean, I don't know shit about baseball, but, you know, I, <laughs> to be quite honest, when I saw, I forgot who it was up on. I think it was Harris, whoever that guy's name is. Um, they showed what his ERA was. And I, I, I mean, I'm an idiot at this, but I like Googled. I was like, all right, is a higher ERA better or a lower ERA? And then, you know, I find out that obviously you want a lower ERA and, you know, even me not knowing a lot, and I think a lot of baseball fans will agree as well, not many people understand why Harris was second to follow Granke and not someone like Azuna or even Garrett Cole. I think that's going to be the biggest yeah, what yeah. if that of that G- series. Yeah, GM totally blew it. I'm not going to say if Cole came in, they would have won it, but... Correct, if, yeah. yeah. You're not. You're probably not giving up that home run and you're probably not going to have that... Uh, meltdown in the next inning where you gave up four runs because Cole's probably still pitching, you know, inning or two at least. So he, yeah, he, and that was a second. Uh, that was a second uh, two run. Like that's the second time he gave up two runs. It was even also I think in Game Seven that Harris did the exact same thing. Like Nats had one man on, and uh, he gave up another two run homer. But uh, big congrats to them. Now uh, we have a third team in DC with the championship. It's really uh, not just the Wizards and the, four, the Red fourth team, fourteenth Valor and Mystics. With right, the my bad, my bad. <laughs> All right, fourth team yeah. uh, in DC. But you know, big congrats to them. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys are gonna probably get pretty. Uh, I'm not going. Pretty toasty for the parade. Um, but maybe we can just end on a big game for us as college fans. Um, you got Hokies visiting number 16, Notre Dame. The rest of the slate looks kind of, you know, you can kind of chalk it up. I mean, there's another big game, uh, number eight, Georgia versus Florida. And I think game day is at uh, SMU at Memphis. Um, 
I know next week is going to be a great week. I can't wait for next week's episode when we cover number one versus number two. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, just to end it out before we kind of like fuck everything else over. Um, Hokies visiting Notre Dame, number 16. I know we spoke about this a little earlier uh, on last week's episode, but a big game. I don't think anyone has pegged us to win. Uh, ESPN's match predictor has a 93.1% chance of Notre Dame winning. Big fat L so, um, coming up. That's okay, though. Oh, yeah. Now, now it is a 17.5-point dog for Tech. I wouldn't be uh, – again, now, it will be really interesting to see who we start for this game. I know a lot of people are saying that it could be Hendon Hooker. It, I know a lot of people want Quincy Patterson I mean, to continue. A, Hooker's – there's nothing better than a healthy hooker, and if he is healthy, um, <laughs> um, he'll, he'll be the starter. So it, for for the rest of the season, it will be Hooker, it will be Quincy Patterson, and then now finally Willis is at the bottom of the barrel, and that's okay. Yes, yeah, where he belongs. Where he belongs, so, dude. Yeah. Where he fucking belongs. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely be watching that game. But if we win, I mean, that's a that's a statement win for us. Uh, now, obviously, I know that doesn't really help us towards the for the ACC standings, um, but it is a it is a big win, and I think, like you said, after last week, it the destiny of us kind of winning the coastal really just resides with us, as everyone else yes. lost last week. week. Um, UVA, UNC, Pittsburgh, Duke. I think they all lost. Um, excuse me, but. Yeah, dude, that kind of brings the end of episode 11. Obviously, we're going to shout out some some alcohol because, you know, BAC, why the fuck not? We want to probably get this kind of doing a bit more. And, dude, it would be really cool if we can get sponsored by some alcohol company, you know, get some, uh, get some free beers going. But I'm actually drinking a Sparked Seltzer. This is not a White Claw. Um, it is... It is called Forgotten Boardwalk. Is the um, is the brewing company, um, and it tastes pretty fucking good. Not gonna lie, five percent alcohol. I mean, it's got a nice little tall boy here, um, but you know, kind of change things up uh, instead of doing the normal uh, normal white claw. Having a uh, port Are you city a- uh, lager. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I was having. A, I also like went safe as well and picked up a nice six pack of Kona. Uh, can, can never go wrong with that. I know we were talking yesterday about um, best first sips. Uh, I think I, I think a nice Kona on on a summer day, or even you know like a land shark or a Corona in the summer, like right by the beach. Uh, it's it's up there, man. A nice a nice beer on a nice summer. Ooh, count me in. Um, well, all right, Eric. It's always been a pleasure, uh, and I will see you next week. See ya.